Jarvis, drop my needle. Hello, this is the hardcore legend Mick Foley, and if you are interested in listening to idiots, you came to the right place. Have a nice day. Woo! That's an attention getter. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. What we're dealing with here is a complete lack of respect for the law. Oh my God, he's an idiot. You know, of course, that you're out of your jurisdiction. Personally, I think you're an idiot. But that's the evidence in the car. But I was going into Toshi Station to pick up some power converters. Always like to keep my audience riveted. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, friends and fiends, and welcome to Free Range Idiocy, a podcast about everything, but mostly just the stuff we like. All right, confession time once again, folks. It's mighty odd that a Marvel movie would hit theaters or streaming or laser-guided carrier pigeon-delivered thumb drive without us delving into it immediately, right? So what's the deal with Shang-Chi? Why haven't we been talking about the 25th flick in the MCU, breaking it all down and floating our usual bat-spit insane theories? Well, dear listeners, it was not the fault of the man they call Tim. He was there opening weekend to collect his fake internet points like a good little Marvel mark. Mm -hmm. It was I, beloved members of the Free Range EDC congregation, who couldn't get himself out to the theater in time to get this thing done until last week. So, I know, I know, I know. So, please, I beg of your pardon a thousand times and once more for my horrible grammar as we dive into the first movie appearance by Marvel's Master of Kung Fu in this episode 76, Everybody's Shang-Chi Tonight. My name is Todd, and with me, as always, is a man who once rode a cross-country bus from New Hampshire to Iowa to see the birthplace of James Tiberius Kirk, only to realize he was a couple hundred years too early. He has the skull to my eight ball. You can never go too long in wrestling without a good or mediocre biker gimmick. I give you the man they call Tim. Greetings and salutations, my friend. How are you? I'm doing all right, sir, and yourself. I am well. I am well. Well, that's good. And uh, before we dive too far into this thing, can you name the tag team? Uh, I, were they the DOA? Yes, sir. Do you know what its abbreviation is for? Uh, Disciples of Apocalypse. Yes, you are correct, sir. As (laughs) usual. Tufa, Jeez. There we go. I didn't really think I was going to fool you on that one, but I figured it might be so obvious that you would, it would slide by you like a, like a, like a fat (laughs) fastball that you're just not expecting. And it's too obvious. After that NXT UK debacle from last episode, <laughs> good lord, the grizzled young veterans, my goodness. Well, every so often I've got a th- that was that was basically an Ephus pitch. That's like that one that just lopes in at like fifty miles an hour, and you're like, seriously, that's a thing. <laughs> I'll see if I can post it. There's actually a guy. I think he plays for the Angels. And he's been brought in several times as a relief pitcher, and he's like an outfielder or something. Mm. And he comes in, and he's throwing like 50-some-odd miles an hour. Like the radar gun doesn't barely even registers it, and he's throwing it across the plate. And these guys just can't get the timing down. It's like, well, yeah, because they're not used to seeing something that – it like their timing <laughs> is up around like 70 to 90 miles per hour. You throw something else, and they're totally baffled by it. And, yeah. and when they do get a hold of it, it's like on the ground, and it's right in <laughs> – goes right to like a shortstop or second baseman yeah. it's great I'll, exactly. I'll see if i can put that in the show notes makes crash davis proud baby yeah you know don't you know strikeouts are fascist throw some ground <laughs> balls more democratic <laughs> i I've, i always thought that was funny i'm like wow we didn't i wasn't expecting a geopolitical uh reference in the in a baseball minor league baseball movie but okay here we yeah, are we why it. not there we uh, go. Actually, the, the, one of the best quotes in that is that Rose goes in the front, big guy. No. 
That's right. That's right. Just so weird. Such a great flick. Anyways, we're not talking. We're we're, we're, we're we're seeping back to our glory days of, of the Kevin Costner episode for some reason. Uh, we we're not talking about Kevin Costner in this episode. We have an entire Marvel movie to talk about. And I am going to sweat like crazy because once again, I am not broadcasting from our air conditioned headquarters. I am actually at home. And in order to not make my neighbors mad, I have the windows closed. So I'm going to be like, I'm going to be sweating. Look at the sacrifices you make. Oh, I'm going to be sweating like a mafia informant on, on the stand, man. Oh, yeah. Wow. I did fantasy football and I'm sweating like this. This is this is what I do for the people. Do you know what the high was out here today? 62 degrees. Cool yeah, as a cucumber. That's Feeling nice. Good. It's it's Feeling like six, it's like 66 right now and it's edging up on 86 in this room and that's <laughs> I just closed the window. So oh, gosh. I'm going to be like shirtless and the sweating. The laptop's going to be cranking out more heat as you as the recording goes on. <laughs> it's going to be up to 105 by the time you're done. What's that sound? That's the laptop fan. <laughs> <laughs> Be great. <laughs> Whoop nine, engage. <laughs> be absolutely great. But before we get into all of that, or before we get more distracted, sir, what do we got going on in the weekend geek? The week in geek. Feels so funky. Ah, well, my friend, we have. Uh, or should I say, what don't we have going on in the weekend, geek? That's right. That's right. The, be a shorter the now list. half half of the show segment here. <laughs> it is uh, true. Like I get, I start editing the show, and when I get to the weekend, geek, I'm like, all right, phew, halfway through. All right, all right. What, I'm going to call it right here. An idea of like a ten minute. I was like, hey, how about you have a little ten minute segment? It's gone from ten to fifteen <laughs> to twenty to thirty to forty sometimes, and now we're <laughs> we've nestled into this half hour segment. It's. I don't All know right. how it happened. We'll I don't try know. to bring it down to twenty five. We'll go in five minute increments here. We'll oh, try to shave okay. five off. How's that? Once How's again, that? it's like it's like starting to chew Nicorette while you have the patch That's trying right. to cut down your smoking. This is going to be fantastic. Well, Lay kicking it on me, kicking things off, ladies and gentlemen, we uh, we we swoop down into the realm of fantasy football. Oh boy! To check in go. with yours truly and uh, the effervescent Uncle Todd to to. Check in and see how are our teams doing after week two. Uncle Todd is flying on autopilot primarily. So, hey, you know what? If it ain't broke, don't fix it. <laughs> You'll be happy to know I just made a very strategic move heading into week three. I was checking out my team and I, I thought, you know what? Here's the move. This is the one that is going to lead me to victory. I, I swap defenses. That's all I'm touching. That's all it. Right. Very nice. But uh, both of us are, are actually in our league now. There are only three undefeated teams. And yes, ladies and gentlemen, that tremor you felt in the force is the fact that yours truly and Uncle Todd are two out of the three who are undefeated still. Yes, indeed. So I am uh, sitting uh, atop on my laurels at number one in our league at 2-0. and Dominant performance this last week. I shouldn't say dominant. It was a close game, but it was dominant. Uh, 257 to 240. Very proud of that score. And then uh, Uncle Todd got the benefit of playing uh, the, the Cella Dwellers, which is the IR-laden team that I've built up to basically not score anything. Hey, they scored 20 points, though. It's three more than the, when I played them. I know, but all I'm saying is, did you have a 174-point margin of victory? I don't think so. Uh, no, I only had a 17, but it was still a dominant performance. 
I don't, I don't think it's quite as dominant as mine was. Well, I, I am very uh, happy with where my team stands right now uh, going into week three. Yeah, you actually, you're leading in points four in this league. You have 481 points. That's right. So We're far in two games. Breaking out the heavy lumber. I, I have a, a major debt to pay to Derrick Henry. He he was the point <laughs> hoss of, of week two. Just unreal. I think he had somewhere in the realm of like 80 some odd points. Let me go back here. 82 fantasy points for Holy a running crap. back. Norm is about 50. That is redonkulous right there. And Brady is playing solid, man. Well, yeah. Points. Of course. Of course. Yeah, go ahead and pop your seltzer for that That's one. Right. You deserve I'm, it. I'm going to pop a polar on that one. I'm very uh, <laughs> very happy with this. Oh, polar. Oh, you bougie you. I'm, That's right. It's not drinking store brand seltzer. You're getting out the good stuff. Look, I'm not a grizzled young veteran, all right? <laughs> so I drink the good stuff. <laughs> Well, as for me, I, I didn't really have any huge standouts. It was just an overall solid performance for my team. And, yeah, yeah. you know, thank goodness I decided to keep uh, Dalvin Cook as a keeper. And, of course, uh, Devontae Adams is, has also paid some dividends. Uh, Russell Wilson, though, delivering, although not quite what he was projected to get me. Uh, he was projected to get 56. I took 47. That was, of course, this was all plenty in order to get over the cellar dwellers who uh, are primarily re- relying on you. So you gave him Nick Folk. For their kicking, for the kicker, Did I? yeah. And so that got him 15, and then Detroit's defense got him a whole five points. So uh, that that's that was their entire total. Uh, and actually, I think if I'm looking at this right, like there's oh, you have Cam Newton as their starter. That's awesome. If you look at the starting lineup, it's NAs and IRs. NAs and yeah. IRs. I'm just wondering why you couldn't have found a kicker who's <laughs> then I mean, you're not going to find a defense that's you know. Not. I'm trying to figure out why I have a backup kicker. I don't either. And he's the N.A. I should swap him in so there's no points being scored, man. Well, actually, I think it's just interesting to see how many points, like, a, a bad defense and a bad kicker can get you. I think that, that'll be the experiment for, for the entire season. And the answer is 15 to 20 points. You know, that is about it. All right. So, uh, leaving the, the realm of fantasy football and the, the undefeated zone that Uncle Todd and the man they call Tim exist in right now. Mm-hmm. And I say right now because uh, who knows how long <laughs> who knows oh, how yeah, long we're going to ride the house on this one. <laughs> I'm telling you, what, what's going to probably happen is I'll, I'll be like 6-0 and leading this league. And then I'm telling you, it's going to be like the end of the move. It's going to be like the end of the Blues Brothers. The Blues Mobile is going to fall apart. Everything is going to go to crap. It's, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Uh, Moving along, going back probably a month or two, we had talked about this and, and posited on what it could mean, but Hugh Jackman yes. caused a little bit of a stir not too long ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, he posted or he tweeted out a picture that on one like one half of the picture, the left half of it was, I guess, some fan art of, of a Wolverine like claw or arm. And then the right part of it was him standing there next to Kevin Feige. And of course, the interwebs blew up when that Mm-hmm. When he posted that, because Gee, I wonder why. Uh, you know, when when you see him next to Feige, and you see like, and, and essentially this fan art kind of looked like a movie poster. Mm-hmm. The rumor mill uh, started to run at at, at warp nine, and um, <laughs> basically it was being posited that uh, Mr. Jackman would be reprising 
his role as Wolverine within a Marvel movie. And if I remember right, we both called uh, Bull Pucky on this. Uh, yes. As much as we would want it to happen, I believe we were both in the Bull Pucky camp on this one. So so what what is the new development? Is the movie now, has it finished shooting and it's actually wrapped and we're again yet again wrong? No, no. Uh, we, we have uh, from ScreenRant.com a quote from Mr. Jackman himself where he, he basically said, and, and I just kind of like the way... That, that he that he says this. I quote, I literally was just reposting fan art and I do it quite a bit because I just love it and I love the fans. And then I was off doing something and I came back and I'm like, oh, I think I broke the internet. No, no, no. Guys, sorry. I didn't mean that. I really didn't mean it. I'm really sorry. And I thought no one's going to believe me, but that was the case. And you guys are just too fast for me. Clearly way too fast and smarter than me. I just love the fans. And so when cool things come my way, I'm going to pass it on. I just love that explanation because it's like I just posted something and I walked away and I broke the internet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, what did you think was going to happen when you posted a picture of yourself next to Kevin Feige? <laughs> apparently not a whole lot. Uh, I'm. He apparently thought everything was just going to be hunky-dory and uh, it was no uh, maybe notice. hunky but not quite dory. No one will notice. Yeah, no one will notice. You and your millions of followers, you, oh. along with all of the... The Marvel fanatics who are looking for, who think, who see Mephisto under every rock and behind every tree. Yes, those people are totally just going to blow it off and not notice. Okay, that would be the ultimate irony, is for Hugh Jackman to be in a Marvel movie and to do so as Mephisto. That's the trifecta right there. (laughs) We need to start that rumor right now, actually. (laughs) Somebody get me some fake Twitter handles. I'm totally, I'm, I'm putting that out on the web right now. Oh great. my gosh. So let's see how that goes for a week. And then we can, that could be our entire next episode. Exactly. From, from the lips of Mr. Jackman to our ears, uh, he is not going to be coming back uh, according to him uh, as Wolverine in the Marvel universe. So he, uh, just a little fun posting just went uh, south very quickly. And uh, he's, he, uh, a couple months later is now diffusing uh, that, that, uh, that rumor so see now here's what i think they ought to do and i just i i've just come up with this idea now so it's it's not even half baked it's not even in the oven yet but i think it's a good (laughs) idea we get a wolverine movie with hugh jackman but this is the twist and nobody knows this until opening day it's a musical ah can you Flip and imagine just how like people's brains would explode in the theater. Like they would just be, poof. yeah, yeah, oh yeah. All of a sudden, Wolverine is about ready to snick snick somebody, and all of a sudden, it bursts into song. <laughs> Are you kidding me? There That'd we be go. awesome. There we go. I'm all in on that idea. There's Wolverine, no business the music. like show. Oh, sorry. That would be oh, that'd be so great. We need the to come Wolverine. up with a fake soundtrack for that. Cuts like a knife. Billy Joel's stiletto. Oh, oh, stiletto. <laughs> That's a great one. Oh, oh my gosh, it's one of the greatest like angry at your ex songs ever. Did I <laughs> did I ever tell you? Sorry, we're we're gonna digress for a moment here. So so no, much for the twenty five minutes. Not us. Not di- us digress. What are you talking did about? Did I ever tell you? I, I so at one point I had Sirius XM and every couple months the Billy Joel channel would would come in and he would you know they would play his greatest hits and in between some of the songs would be callers who would call in and say you know this song inspired me or you inspired you know just just fan fan Mm -hmm. adulation Mm -hmm. and um this one guy calls and this is played before the song stiletto (laughs) 
And he talks about how he practiced, you know, basically playing this song and he played it at his wedding reception. Say what? Yeah, you heard right. He played stiletto at his wedding reception. Well, okay. So here's the thing. Like, but you know what the song is about, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's almost as, that's almost the same as the, as like uh, people playing, you know, I'll be watching you oh, by the police at their wedding. Yeah. And it's like, no, 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 no. This isn't a romantic song. <laughs> this is about well, a stalker. And he talks about how he rehearsed it with his friends and they did the snaps and everything. And I'm like, <sighs> how are you playing this for your wife? This is not a song that is a, that is about praising this woman. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> No. So I'm just thinking, well, maybe that didn't last very long. I don't know. But Yeah, I was going to say, it's the second part of that call. And now that we've been divorced for five years. <laughs> I just remember thinking that was just the strangest. Th- I mean, I get it. It was an appreciation of him having probably rehearsed the song and paying homage to, to Billy Joel. But at your wedding reception, man, you could have done it any other place. The only time I'm thinking that's appropriate is like it's one of those stories where the where the 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 groom finds out that the bride is cheating with like the best man or something like that. Oh, good lord! And and decides to go ahead with the ceremony anyways, since traditionally the bride's family pays for the wedding and all this yeah. stuff. So he decides to go through the whole thing, and and like that's his moment to like reveal the whole thing. Like, yeah, and I know what you do, what you're you've been doing. Like, yeah, yeah. That's the only time. That is the only circumstance that that wouldn't actually make sense. Yeah. Otherwise, not so much. No. No. Wow. <sighs> Anywho. Back Anywho. To well, we went off musical. on a little, bit of, we got? a little bit of tangent there. Uh, well, hey, you know, since, since we haven't opened the, the, the wrestling arm of the Free Range EDC franchise brand yet, uh, I figure I'll, I'll drop this nugget in here, and it's a little bit late, but... Uh, but yeah. timely, as I'll explain. AEW, I, I'm I'm getting high on on this promotion, my friend. Let me tell you, I, I've been watching the last several weeks, and I, I'm getting the vibe like we used to get when we would watch Monday Night Raw during the heyday back mm-hmm. back in the '90s. There, oh my gosh, just putting together some some great shows. You know, main events that are not necessarily headed up by main event talent, but more as an opportunity to kind of expose newer talent to the fan base and and really mm-hmm. just, you know, really the, the, the sort of organic character and story building that I remember leading to things like Mick Foley becoming the icon that he that he is. The way that like Steve Austin became what he became, The Rock, you know, evolving in, in into the into the superstar that that he you know became, and I don't feel like they're doing anything that's like brain surgery here. You know what I mean? It's like yeah, basic one hundred and one character building storytelling. I mean, tag matches, singles matches with guys who you know are going to kind of go over because of you know they hold a belt or something, or or just the way that you know where they are in the story, it makes sense. But but the matches are competitive. You know, wins and losses matter. They they talk about rankings for who can challenge for what titles and stuff. I'm just like. This is like what I've always wanted, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, as a fan. It's like there's logic to the promotion, the way they're doing things. They're building guys up. It's just it's just fantastic. But the news note here was um, several weeks back, they had a pay-per-view all out. And uh, and that was where a CM Punk uh, wrestled for the first time in seven years. At the end of the show, they had two debuts, both uh, f- formerly of WWE, uh, one of them being. Uh, and he's come back now as his, uh, 
you know, independent uh, wrestling persona, the American Dragon, Brian Danielson, uh, formerly known as uh, Daniel Bryan. So terribly go, original Vince. there. I, I was going to say, way, way to go, Vince, on the rebranding there. <laughs> I'm surprised that CM Punk didn't wind up as Brooks Phil. <laughs> or Brooks Filson. <laughs> there you see. There we go. Right there. There's your WWE name. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh listen, pal. We're going to call you uh, Brooks Filson. Brian Danielson. I don't see it, but Daniel Bryan, that will draw me money. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And then uh, and that was before Vince had completely gone <laughs> full tilt loony. Like that was a while ago. I mean, now, I mean, God only knows what he would come up with. Oh, my know. gosh. Yeah. I'm surprised. He just makes slurping noises and, and just oh, gurgling sounds. Yeah, basically. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so we had the debut of Brian Danielson to uh, to, a, to a monster pop. And also, uh, basically, within the same segment, actually, I have him reversed. So Brian Danielson came out last. Uh, the first, again, shock debut was at the end of the main event when Kenny Omega, the AEW champion, uh, defeated Christian. Uh, Adam Cole, baby, uh, showed up, uh, formerly of NXT, longest reigning NXT champion and all around just amazing talent for him to come back. He has a history with Kenny Omega and with the young bucks of AEW. Uh, they, they were kind of uh, part of this group in Japan called the Bullet Club and very much kind of a modern take on the Four Horsemen. It, it, it was really just, you know, kind of a group of wrestlers who, you know, again, based on like like the Four Horsemen came together because it was a group of guys who were just the best and, and they pushed each other and they wanted to always be the best. Also, didn't hurt that they were cheaters. So, <laughs> well, but uh, or, or, everyone's got to have a gimmick. That's right. Uh, so so that's kind of the context for, for him linking up with them. And then and then uh, Brian Danielson debuted to you know, knock them all out of the ring and celebrate that he had arrived. So, but, but super excited. I mean, the, the addition of these two is, is huge. I mean, this is, you know, we talked a couple episodes back about, you know, I, I mentioned how this might be an inflection point because even though they're taking on a few WWE based talents, it's not turning into the same thing as what WCW did back in the nineties. And I really think they are making a, a play to become a very competitive promotion against WWE. And I believe from what I've read the last couple of weeks, they have, in terms of, I think, the aggregate TV rating for their shows, their Wednesday show, I think, has been outdoing Raw on, on Mondays. Um, so they, Which they are saying a whole lot because, I mean, it sounds like Raw has been falling on hard times. It, oh, they, yeah. they are not yeah. doing well. Yeah, and, and actually, and, uh, there was a there was a report that apparently this past Monday there there was like over a thousand people who who walked out during one of the segments, like left early. Oh, wasn't it like the Charlotte Flair Alexa Bliss segment or something like that? Yeah, yeah. Which I mean, and and then Raw, of course, responding with you know they I think they they almost did like the the Goldberg what was it Goldberg Hogan thing that uh, WCW did. They gave away like a, a pay per view like main event on Nitro in order to try and top uh wwf back in the day right wwe did that this past monday with uh what was it reigns versus oh reigns versus um was it biggie i thought it was a triple threat yeah big biggie was involved i thought and, but i thought and, there and was Bobby another Lashley. yes yeah there was involvement from the three of them so yeah so it's it's i mean it's it's interesting times and the thing is like it's i've 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 been kind of keeping tabs on some of this in the weirdest possible way like through some different youtube videos and and like different segments that get posted from like Jim Cornette's podcast, which mm. is always a very interesting take because 
you know, Jim Cornette, Uncle Corny is like one of the 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 most knowledgeable human beings on the planet about wrestling. Probably mm-hmm. one of the very few who can compete with a man they call Tim for his encyclopedic knowledge. Amen. Um, and uh, but also like just suffers from just grumpy old bastard syndrome where he he just hates everything that happens <laughs> after like 1992, I think. And even that's. <laughs> Even that is kind of pushing it. Like that was like anything after 1992 that happened below the Mason Dixon, like Southern style professional wrestling. Yes. But anything that happened above that, it just crapped the bed back in like 1983, according to Corny. But anyways, uh, but even he has been kind of like flummoxed with some of the things that are going on. So I'm like, if that dude is a little confused, we are in uncharted territory because I mean, that is a guy who has seen it all, heard it all. It, like actually like researches that he has like reference books and can tell you stuff about like not just that he's been involved with but like stuff that happened like the 20s the 30s mm. the 40s and all of that he is I a mean, true historian of the oh business. totally true historian of the business so when you have that guy kind of like at a loss you're like okay we're there there be dragons here we're off mm. the edge of the map now ladies and gentlemen so it it's a very interesting time in professional wrestling right now definitely and yeah, and 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 the reason I mentioned it was timely is because so we're we're recording on a Wednesday night. That is when AEW's two-hour show Dynamite is on on TNT, and tonight yeah. they're running a show called Grand Slam, which is essentially a pay-per-view level kind of show given the card on basic live TV. Um, and the venue, aren't they? Isn't the venue that they're at? It's they like open it up. It's it's they have a possibility of twenty thousand people. Yeah, it's Arthur Ashe Stadium, which I mean that's in New York. That's a lot more than what Raw and oh, yeah. has been dra- drawing. I mean, I think they said that the the attendance at Raw the other night was like ten thousand, something like that. Yeah. That's that's down a bit from back oh, in the day, big time. Yeah, and and so and and so the main event of tonight is going to be Brian Danielson challenging Kenny Omega. It's a non-title match, which probably means he's going over. Mm. But what's what's really interesting about it is, it, you know, Kenny Omega. For for those who don't know, I mean, he has been a phenomenal talent over the last. I mean, I don't know how many years he, he was big in Japan, wasn't really well known here in the States, getting to be well known now that he's kind of the face of AEW. But he is one of those guys that that can go. And, you know, they they use the term, you know, he, he's the god of wrestling. I forget what he calls himself. But but the, the one I like is the best bout machine is what he calls himself. And it's because he puts on these really amazing matches with a variety of different talent. I mean, he is in a lot of ways like an AJ Styles or Bret Hart or, you know, Kurt Henning, where they they are just guys who can adapt to their their opponents very well and mm-hmm. and draw great matches out of them. And so to have Kenny Omega and Brian Danielson standing on opposite sides of the ring and both of those guys possess the ability to create great matches with whoever they're with. I mean, it's going to be a phenomenal match tonight. So um, yeah. and then Friday they're doing another extension of that I think for 2 hours and that'll be uh, CM Punk will wrestle for the first time on live TV in seven years. So AEW just, they're hitting the right notes. And, you know, like I mentioned, I, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm kind of excited about what they're doing. You know, I'm actually interested in watching because I want to see what's going to happen. And they're, they're just putting out a compelling product right now. Yeah. And it's further fuel for, you know, looking back and trying to put this in context. It's, it's sort of like WWE has become WCW from back in the nineties mm-hmm. where they have a guy, you know, you, you said that Kenny Omega is like AJ Styles. Well, guess who? where AJ Styles works mm-hmm. and guess what he's been doing for a couple of years now. If you said <laughs> you would be correct. <laughs> like here's a yeah. guy who has all the tools, all the charisma 
and a guy like him, a guy like Seth Rollins, all mm-hmm. all these guys who are really stinking good at their jobs, mm-hmm. at just being good workers. Like maybe not the you know they don't have the same sort of gimmick as like a you know a Bray Wyatt who might not be like you, you don't look at him as like oh he's a great worker necessarily but so creative these guys are just solid workers who can go out there and have a really solid match like you said with just about anybody what's wwe doing with them well kind of the same thing that wcw did with bret hart a whole lot of nothing Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and just kind of wasting them and paying them and those guys in some ways i'm sure they're kind of frustrated but the other way in another way they're like well i'm getting paid yeah so I guess I'll just keep on going till my contract's up. I mean, it's it is kind of crazy. It really it is. is. It, it it is. It's going to be very interesting to see how things progress from here because I don't think I've ever seen it like this before. You know, I mean, it's it, I mean maybe when WCW was making a push and you know they were starting to pull guys over, but I don't know this the, this is different because it's not just pulling legends over. They're, they're pulling guys who can go over and and they they're going to be in it for a number of years. And so I'm, yeah, and I'm, that's, I, and, and that was one of the things that Cornette was pointing out is that, mm-hmm. you know, that this is what Vince kind of did with, in terms of like elevating the next guys, like those guys aren't there. They're all working for the other company now. Right. Like this is, this is the way that Vince could bail himself out, but he ain't gonna. Yeah. Cause he doesn't want to give up any creative control now. Like he did back in the day. Right. Like that was one of the questions that his co-hosts like flat out asked him. And he's like, Nope, ain't going to happen. I'm like, Ooh, yeah. Rough to hear. So, after all of that, we have one more to go, uh, <laughs> and we're not coming close to twenty-five minutes. So, sorry about that, but we'll yeah, make this I one quick. Saw that one coming. Yeah, I know. I know. I I, I try. I try. No, you uh, don't. That's okay. But there is a new leak, fresh from. Well, I found this on Yahoo. Uh, BGR is the source. But a leak uh, reveals that Doctor Strange Two may have a couple of uh, cameos of interest. Uh, Wolverine? Not Wolverine. It would be great for a musical number. Not not Mephisto either. I'm gonna just shut that one down right now. I mean, so. going by the end of going by the end of Shang Chi, we know that a certain member of the the uh, Doctor Strange crew has got some pipes. If you know what I mean. So I, I hear you. I hear you. Come on now. Could it be? I want uh, a Logan Wong duet. That's what I want. <laughs> Hey, there's your musical. There's your Kevin musical. Feige, if you can hear me right now, that is what the, that is what the people want. So give the people what they want. The people. So this is Thank what you. we want. We want Hugh Jackman as Mephisto <laughs> singing songs with Wong. There it is. So- songs with Wong. I. You know what? That ought to be a Disney Plus show right there. <laughs> oh, oh, they'll make it happen. They'll, they'll that, I would love that if they would if they would do that as a game show, but they have all the MCU like actors in character. Oh my gosh! Like a like a, a fictional game <laughs> show where Wong is hosting them. Oh, that would be oh ah oh, come on! It could happen. No, it couldn't. All no, right, well, couldn't. the cameos in question are yes. are are not Tom Hiddleston, but actually, uh, so uh, so there was a leak. I think it was on IMDb that uh, Sophia. D. Martino, who played Lady Loki in the Loki series, and Owen Wilson, who played Mobius, uh, may be two surprise cameos, although thanks to Free Range Idiocy, Yahoo, and BGR, not such a surprise now, in Doctor Strange 2. But as the article states, because this is rumor and not fact and has not been confirmed, you know, in their words, the, you know, IMDb 
hey, anyone can edit them. So, you know, <laughs> true. It's like, then why did we build an article around this? <laughs> so anywho, because you uh, got to get them clicks somehow, baby. You got to get them sweet, sweet clicks. Absolutely. So, you know, Loki opened the door to the multiverse. Doctor Strange 2 is going to explore that that world. And uh, it seems some cameos from that show, maybe uh, I don't want to say crossing over, but making an appearance in in this upcoming movie. And I am excited to see uh, what actually happens. Fair enough. And that, my friends, is once again the extended, long, championship-quality Kenny Omega version of The Week and Geek. <laughs> the Iron Man Week and Geek, if you will. <laughs> and who's left standing? Not me. Ah. <sighs> Which actually, the weird thing is, like I, so when I record it at Free Range ADC HQ, our palatial home offices, I always stand. But here at home, because of just the the limitations of my setup, I don't have a standing desk. I am sitting, and I, I'm just feeling I'm feeling a little bit more relaxed. It's kind of weird. Like I'm not used to this. Oh wait, no, it's because Patrick isn't here again, so I can kind of relax a bit more. <laughs> I don't have to worry about smelling, which actually it's a good thing. I need to, I know, I know last episode I talked about this and, and about worrying about the office. There was no fires set. Thankfully, uh, of course, that was mostly because he had locked himself out of the office. And, uh, and actually Patrick, uh, there was, there was a bit of a, uh, an incident this week at the office. Uh, uh, luckily everyone is fine. Everyone is fine. Nothing was burnt to the ground. Uh, mm-hmm. However, Patrick has been out for a couple of days recovering. Uh, there was an incident with the paper shredder. Oh, dear. And luckily, everybody still has all their appendages. Uh, it was a close call, though. Patrick uh, managed to get his tie stuck in the paper shredder. <laughs> Good Lord. Now, what's remarkable about this? Uh, actually, a couple things are remarkable about this. The fact that, one, Patrick would have a tie on in the first place, like anyone in our office would have a tie on, is baffling, quite honestly. Mm. We are not a professional level organization. Uh, if anything, I, I don't endorse wearing a tie at the office. I, I'm more of a, a, a cravat sort of, uh, sort of guy with, the, with like the, the well, fake rhinestone. me. <laughs> um, oh. and, and and a monocle, if possible. Um, <laughs> whoever thought that a monocle was a good idea? You know, I want to be able to see, but just out of one eye. Like, I'm sh- <laughs> that sounds like a joke that Chris Rock could do like 20 minutes on, doesn't it? It does. It does. Um, anyways, so uh, the fact that he had a tie on was just baffling to me. The second thing is like how he managed to get his tie caught in there because this wasn't a- – the other thing is like that he could even tie a necktie. Like this is a guy who I'm I'm shocked that he comes in and his shoelaces are tied. Like we're talking – like my relationship with Patrick is very much like Buford T. Justice and Junior. Like if he gets up in the morning and can take a pee without like banging his head, I'm proud of him. You know, that sort of thing. <laughs> So the fact that he could actually tie a tie is remarkable to me. The third thing that is kind of crazy about this, it wasn't a necktie. It was a bow tie. So how close was he? Oh, wow. The freaking, I, was like, I was like, what were you doing with the paper shredder that you were that close? You got a bow tie sucked into the paper shredder. That, that takes some, uh, some, some, some special uh, skill right there, I think. Yeah. He said that he was trying to shred a voice memo. Really? Dude, I'm telling you right now years off my life <laughs> like an intern is supposed to like help you and to do all those menial tasks and supposed to save you time no this dude's taking like years off of my life 
Yeah. I'm I'm going to die young. I have I have more gray hair. Like you haven't seen me in a while. Like I've got more gray hair right now than I I ever thought would would happen to me in my lifetime. Like I'm I'm going to be like wizened and just completely white-headed within the next 2 years. Of course, that could be because we'll be having like, you know, Delta squared COVID variant within like six months. But I mean, that, uh, it's also Patrick. He's sort of like my he's he, Patrick is basically my version of like the Delta variant. Just I have to share an office with him. <laughs> oh, good Lord. Anyways, I. Oh, I'm, my don't gosh. Know, I don't know where that well, all this came Patrick from. update was brought to you by Uncle Todd. <laughs> Brought to you was brought to you by Bourbon, sponsored by Paper Shredders worldwide. <laughs> oh my gosh! The other thing was, I didn't even know I had a paper shredder in the office. Like I, I haven't printed anything at the office, and I don't know how long. I'm not sure where he got the paper shredder from because I don't remember buying one. Was he shredding free range EDC documentation? Maybe. I mean, I, I really ought to lock down my Amazon account because I'm kind of now I'm starting to wonder what else he's bought. <laughs> You have to I thought check we were my more of a, a uh, you know 21st century e-based company, but whatever. No, not really. Uh, we're we're. I'm surprised I'm not recording this on reel to reel. Anyways, we were, <laughs> we were we had a topic tonight, and we need to get to it, ladies and gentlemen. Shang Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, mm-hmm. the 25th to five. Wow, movie in the MCU. Can you believe that? No, I can't. That means i've spent a lot of time in a movie theater (laughs) i mean i the thing is like i don't think of it from that standpoint i think of that from a like the just the logistics of having 25 movies that are all interconnected and and building different characters and building a a shared universe and kind of all interconnecting and interweaving without stepping on each other yeah and these stories just interweaving with it's remarkable to me it is absolutely remarkable. I mean, now that we're seeing more television uh, kind of have long story arcs, shorter seasons, you know, mm. because of streaming and things like that. So you get like eight to 10 episodes, but the story arcs kind of carry over more. It's it's less of the, you know, the episode of the week sort of thing. So if you add up all that time, like, okay, yeah, this happens. But I mean, these are also like gigantic movies with big budgets big stars like a lot of money on the line and to to be sitting here and talking about the 25th of anything yeah with that much money involved is kind of crazy it is it is and i mean the thing is dang it's not like this is a 25th limping in i mean this this is uh, one of i think the better marvel movie i've only seen it once I would need to watch it another couple, at least another one time to really solidify my opinion. But this could definitely sneak into my top 10. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and and actually, it probably didn't even sneak. It's it's more of a a matter of like, where would I place this? Would I would it manage to get into the top five right now? I mean, it was it was really good. It was really good. Yeah. I, I think as origin stories go, it was probably in my mind yet another original kind of take because it, mm. it, it it wasn't a typical you know i'm 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 trying to run for my power or sorry that, that's what it was but um i'm trying to think like with black panther right you, you know yeah it, it was a build-up to him taking on that mantle iron man was a build-up to him becoming what he was thor was yes he got torn down but he eventually kind of built back up into what he needed to be mm-hmm. this one was interesting because here's a guy who wants nothing to do <laughs> 
yeah. <laughs> with with what his father was doing. He wants nothing to do with becoming this thing. He just wants to just kind of live a normal life. You know what I mean? And it's like the total antithesis from everything we've seen before, which I thought was really interesting and uh, and fresh. You know, and and I'll be honest when when I saw going back when when they announced what some of the movies were going to be in in Phase Four, and and I saw Shang Chi. You, you know, I, I'm not as familiar with that from a popular comic character sort of standpoint, and so I, I was a little like, oh, is this, you know, are, are, are we venturing now into the long tail of Marvel where we might start finding they can't tell compelling stories because the characters may not connect and so forth. And that was 100% not the case with this movie. I mean, this movie, the characters were engaging. Mm-hmm. Um, I really enjoy how how Marvel does service to to the women heroes and 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 the women characters and bringing them to the forefront a bit more and not just making it all about the guys and mm-hmm. them swooping in and saving the day you know i i thought they did a fantastic job with you know with what they did with his sister and like his aunt and his mother you know i enjoyed what they did with with with, with him and and his kind of what made this feel fresh in my mind was especially in the bus scene when when they're getting attacked that it's not a you know, like Bruce Wayne kind of building his way into being the fighter that Batman becomes. This guy already had the skills and he's just busting them out. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Yeah. To, <laughs> I mean, to, it's just like to the bam, there it is shock of his friend who's like, he can't fight. And then all of a sudden, uh, no, not only can he fight, he's fracking amazing. <laughs> he's like, he's like, you know, Neo in the Matrix fighting, you know? Well, and the and the funny part is like, the, so one of the Easter eggs and, you know, I don't want to get into that too soon, but is they use the the coat trick they pulled that from Jackie Chan and which just again was just because I mean oh man who's who, yeah. who better than Jackie Chan really mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. as far as and of course a lot of his fighting could be you know kind of comedic fighting at times but also just amazing and that was the other thing in this movie was fight scenes wow yeah yeah I would say the best choreography and now of course it, it, you know you're dealing with martial arts kung fu so it's a little bit different than some of the other fight scenes that we would traditionally see which is a, a lot more you know kind of kick punch sort of thing and and not necessarily as fluid or or as involved as that but yeah I think the matrix is a is a good comparison especially the fight in the beginning and the in the first movie with Neo and Morpheus, you know, when he's kind of learning and stuff like that. But the choreography in this was just amazing. These fight scenes look look amazing. And and then the larger battle scenes were incredible, incredible to watch. Oh yeah. Very much so. Yeah. So, so overall for, for, for me, I, I just felt it was a, a very strong outing. This, this in a lot of ways felt, I got a similar feel from this that I did from guardians of the galaxy where, where I went in not knowing really what to expect from it and just came out like blown away. Mm Mm-hmm. For for the reasons we've we've stated, I mean, I I feel like the story was was extremely solid. You know, it it was great to see a character who has kind of that dark. I mean, it it wasn't a dark side in him. It, it was something he recognized that that wasn't right, and and that's what made him run. You know, like he, mm-hmm. he just carried out his father's will and but didn't want to have a part of it moving forward. And and I love how it kind of wove, even though his father was was, again, not 100 percent evil, but, you know, evilish tendencies, you know, stressing that he is the product of his of his father and mother, you know, and, and mm-hmm. the blending of those two basically forming who he is and, and who he becomes as, you know, the you know, when his father hands the ten you know, transfers ownership over to him. And mm-hmm. how it it's a different color and it's a different, you know, the way he's doing things or, or controlling them is very similar to what his mother would do. Mm. And I thought that was really a, a very cool way to kind of portray him where 
he he's kind of showing both you know fighting tendencies with those rings with you know from his father's uh, you know approach to it and his mother's approach to it mm. and so I, I i really thought that was cool i appreciate the fact his sister didn't die i thought they were going to do the stereotypical thing and you know in the final battle and have her get knocked off you know trying yeah. to do you know some sort of sacrificial thing because i felt she was a really great character i mean you know she mm-hmm. she being his sister and and having to learn in the in the shadows you know i loved when they went to tai lo and she's just kind of sitting there not knowing what to do and her aunt is like you know no you can go train men and women can fight together you know what i mean it's not mm-hmm. like you you have to hide you know just kind of breaking those cultural norms and you know kind of bringing that out i thought was was really cool and and you know seeing you know seeing her in action was was great as as well as you know seeing uh seeing Shang-Chi as well. So, um, so yeah, I, I thought this was such a great outing, you know, for, for Marvel, just a great story to kick it off. And, and I love how they don't over explain things. Yes. You know what I mean? You, you see, you know, you get the prologue with his father, you know, has lived for thousands of years with these rings, but we don't get into the origin story of the rings because it, it, it wasn't germane to this story. That story mm-hmm. will be told another time, and that's the time it needs to be told, not right now in this story. And I thought that yeah. was great that they did not go into depth on that at all. It was just something that was part of the story, and it was used. Yeah, and, and Marvel has been so good about that in terms of just navigating how much information does the audience need and not trying to just ladle on more and more and more backstory, like just very strategic about okay, here's enough in order for someone coming in completely cold to get it. And, and that's excellent writing, but it's also excellent directing, excellent producing, excellent overall producing by, by Feige too. I mean, you've got to give him a little bit of credit because even if he's not making a lot of these decisions, he's obviously kind of setting some sort of a mandate and other people are kind of carrying it out. And as a group, they are doing a very good job of navigating this way of doing, essentially doing what DC doesn't do well, like figuring out what information newbies need and and enough information that people who are heavily invested in the comics are still going to be like, oh, they have read it or they, they get it, you know, so they maintain kind of that geek cred with right. their hardcore comic book audience, even when they've changed stuff, which is remarkable because I mean, there's, there's a lot of stuff in Shang-Chi that is different from the comics like they've they did change a a bunch of things in this Mm -hmm. and they've done it with other characters too and and even stories like taking a story and modernizing it or 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 kind of like mashing some stories together but man they've done it with enough care and respect for the original source material that even if people don't necessarily like it they can at least understand why they would do it so they can a lot of the times i've i've seen disagreements on that it's like well i get why they did it but i don't like it yeah. Well, at least you can say I get why they did it. Whereas with DC, it's like I have no idea. Do they just have like an armadillo like pointing at different colors on the board, and whichever buzzer it presses, that's the direction they go in? Because it seems like that's about as random as it gets. Yeah. Which I mean, I just kind I would like to meet that armadillo. Honestly, I, I I never met an armadillo, but I think it'd be fun. I find it funny you went with an armadillo of all the things you could have picked. Yeah, I almost went with Ardvark, but then I knew I'd have trouble spelling it later, so I. <laughs> I think armadillo I can manage. A R M A D I L L O, I believe. A R M Dillo. Yes. Yeah. As opposed to Amarillo, <laughs> which is 
a totally different thing. But anyways. Or amaretto, uh, which is totally different from that. Most certainly. And of course, I, one of the other cool things, again, that they've, they've done so well as they've filled this universe out is is giving us little Easter eggs, giving us little bits of business in in all of that, and and also within the characters as well. Because one of the things that I thought was really interesting that I didn't know, this was a, like Shang-Chi was a, one of the original characters that they planned to kind of build the, the MCU around. Oh, like really? He was, he was one of the original characters that they had planned to use. And I think he was, they'd actually thought about making a, a movie with him even sooner before there was kind of even the idea of an MCU. Mm-hmm. Uh, that his character had always kind of had this like, yeah, he should, this should be a movie. He should be in a movie sort of thing, which I thought was kind of cool. And I think the only reason if I'm remembering right from one of these, I'll post a couple of articles with some, some Easter eggs and background, but I believe it was uh, when they, when they got the rights to Iron Man back, they kind of pivoted and they used Iron Man as a, as a way into the MCU as opposed to to Shang-Chi. But he was one of the original characters that they were going to, to utilize. Nice. And I think that's it's kind of interesting, but it, it totally makes sense because, you know, the other part of this is, is like where you think back before the MCU really took hold and where, where comic book movies were, it kind of makes sense that you would say, well, how about we just make a martial arts movie? That's a comic book movie as an entry point, because at that point, I mean, comic book movies were kind of a, not as well respected. Yeah. Like Kung Fu movies, like martial arts movie based movies were pro- probably had a better rep and and box office performance than you know most comic book movies which would totally make sense yeah but i just found that kind of interesting but yeah and and i think the casting in this was so good i love the i love the the fact that another little piece of background the actor who played uh wen wu actually went and trained for the movie, even though, and, and he's like a, a very well-respected actor mm-hmm. and had been in a lot of different action movies and things like that. And, and they told him like, oh yeah, you don't have to worry about it. You're, you're, we're going to do most of it through, you know, special effects, CGI and all that, but he still went and trained. I'm like, that's commitment. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that is commitment. Like, I don't care. I'm still going to, I'm going to be ready in case you mm-hmm. need me to, in case you need me to actually do something, I'm going to be ready. Yeah. I mean, just an excellent cast. And, and even, uh, you know, I thought Aquafina was really good as you know the the kind of friend role, mm-hmm. um, and and also functioning as kind of like combination Jiminy Cricket like conscience, and yeah. also you yeah. know kind of heart of the whole thing. That was great, and also nice little pressure relief because it was all obviously, you know, she's very funny and and able to give her a lot of the you know quick quick laughs to, mm-hmm. to kind of relief release a little pressure and of course we got trevor back ah trevor slattery oh my gosh i had i i mean i i think i knew going into it that he was going to be in the movie but he was in way more of the movie than i thought he would be in like he his character did, had a lot of heavy lifting in this movie. Like there was a lot of res- like Trevor had a lot of responsibility in this movie yeah. for a reformed like drug addict out of work actor. Yes. I mean, yes, he he had a lot of heavy lifting in this movie, which was kind of surprising, and 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 did it with a weird six legged, headless. Yeah, that flying, creature was it took a little getting used to. <laughs> flying turkey sort of thing. Like what? I don't know what the hell the thing is, but I was sitting there like, okay, it, it, its head is going to show itself at some point. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. No, no, but it's no, cute. It didn't. I mean, it's cute. I was like, that's great. But I mean, I'd have no idea whether it's coming or going. I, I don't know. I just love how, how jubilant Trevor was when he's like, you, you see him. Yes. <laughs> 
like, that was great. He, 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 you know, like even he's thinking he's just, you know, dreaming this thing up. It's just, you know, yeah, it's one, all one, one of the big ways flashback. His, <laughs> his bad habits has, have, have rendered upon him, but no, no. Okay. So with Trevor comes also the backstory and, and I really thought this was very well done how, and, and I'm curious if, if you kind of interpreted it the same way, but because of his involvement in bringing him back, I mean, this, this kind of closes or ties up a thread that had been kind of open, you know, for some time. So after Iron Man 3, they had put out, Marvel had put out a short, it was like a nine minute short called All Hail the King. Yes. And that was starring Ben Kingsley as Trevor Slattery. And it was looking at a little snippet of his life in prison. But interestingly enough, bringing, you know, kind of advancing the idea that the Mandarin was actually a character, you know, like, mm-hmm. like even though it was th- that character was used as a pawn, you know, to basically push the the plot of Iron Man 3 forward, that in the Marvel Universe, there was actually this character, the Mandarin, there was actually a Ten, ten Rings organization and Trevor mm-hmm. was going to be taken to him to, uh, you know, basically answer for, for what he has done. Mm-hmm. I love how in this movie they tie all of that up and yeah, and they tie yeah. it up in a in in a couple different ways. So first off, the 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 dinner conversation where Wenwu oh, uh, great. is sitting there like <laughs> so they basically take my organization and they create this this thing called like like after an orange, like a mandarin and yeah. it's like, you know, and the Americans are like scared of it or something. You know, I mean, it was just like like how how you know, trivialized he made the whole thing was just so funny. You well, know, especially like, considering like the dude's experience, like he's been around for thousands of years, you yes. know, at least a thousand. And of course, it's going to seem ridiculous to him, you know, yeah. so it works on a couple different levels. And and, and I want to understand if you kind of read it this way, too. I, I felt the other thing they did that that was really an intelligent way to tell the story was using the fact that he stepped away from that Wenwu, stepped away from using mm-hmm. the rings, stepped away from the Ten Rings organization when he was trying to raise his family with his wife. Yes. And the fact that that left the door open for the organization to then kind of get repurposed. Now, I took it as in Iron Man 1, I took that as a repurposing of his organization. And then I took Iron Man 3 to be yet another repurposing of his organization. And it was around that time, because of the All Hail the King, that he must have come back into power at that point. That must have been the point his wife was killed. And then he takes the rings back and he takes the organization back and he starts to basically, you know, wage vengeance on those who have wronged him. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a really interesting way to kind of explain away how there were all these different kind of factions that were called the Ten Rings and have it kind of weave together and make sense. And I want to get yes. your thoughts. Yeah, I thought that was a really, a really good way of doing it. Also adding in just a little bit of like a little depth and a little detail. Yeah, I agree. It was a great way to tie all that up and to bring it together, but also be able to continue to utilize this character who is a wild card and, you know, just goofy and fun to have on the screen, but to continue to use him in that way, yeah. you know, to repurpose the character, I guess. Yeah. Um, and and it, I, I actually had a someone on Facebook had, is a big fan of Iron Man 3 and has basically said, I hope that they now all the fanboys will reevaluate Iron Man three mm-hmm. uh, based on this. Which, yeah, I mean, I it's not like I hate that movie, but yeah, I mean, it, it does make a little bit more sense, right? Granted, right. but uh, but I think it's I think it's more interesting just the overall character because he's not really the Mandarin, 
uh, he did talk about having uh, a bunch of different names. And I think one of them was the Grand Khan or, mm-hmm. you know, one of those world's most dangerous man and all these names of which a couple of those are actually used in the comic books. And one of them actually, uh, I think it was the Grand Khan or the Great Khan or something like that. But the idea that because this character is different from the comics and has lived for a prolonged period of time, yeah. he could have actually been Genghis Khan. Yeah. Like there is that thought like this dude legit could have been Genghis Khan mm-hmm. and, and and played that part. Uh, but anyway, you know, I just I, I do like the idea of this character kind of not being the standard bad guy. Yeah. In the same way that, you know, we've seen some different bad guys who aren't just the mustache twisting villains. He's a bad guy because, yeah, he's done a lot of bad things, but he did he he did fall in love and and, and all. And then something tragic happens and then it drives him even further yeah. <laughs> from from where he was before. Yeah. And then it, ultimately, it's not necessarily his thirst for power. He's being used by this other evil to be free by playing on his his love for his wife. Yeah. Right. I, I thought that was just such a, a, a great dance around all of that. And, and it never allowed you to, to hundred percent just go, okay, yeah, he's the baddie a hundred percent. And I don't like him. Like there are definitely times where you, you have empathy for yeah. the bad guy. Right. Right. But at the same time, like, like you said, there, there is like, he always carries that edge of, of darkness with him, though, because especially mm. in the beginning of the movie, you see, if if I were to quantify, you know, his badness, it, it really had to do with being corrupted by the power he had. I mean, he yeah. he wielded power that no one else could counter. And rather, you know, like they said in the beginning of the movie, rather than using it for pure and good purposes, he ended up using it to do what he wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, like, like anyone would struggle with, you know, like it, any one of us who gets into a place of enormous wealth or power is going to struggle with having that. You know what I mean? There it's, it's, it's always going to be there because you can do whatever you want. You know what I mean? And, and mm-hmm. we tend to, as human beings kind of at times fall to the whims of how we feel. Right. So, yeah. so I agree with you that I, I thought it was a great multidimensional kind of villain that you had where, he he clearly is transformed based on the love of his wife, but he isn't fully transformed, and mm-hmm. and he you know he he stumbles when he loses her, and it's his children who bring out you know kind of the best in him, you know especially at the end when he ha- when he ends up realizing he has to just sacrifice himself because of the situation and hand it over to Shang Chi to to you know to to take on the rings that you know understanding that Shang Chi is kind of that balance like I was talking about earlier I mean he 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 can wield the rings but he also uses I, I don't even know what to call it you know his his mother used basically these almost like these karate like kata kind of forms to control mm-hmm. the rings and that's what he does you know and and that's very different from the way his father used them and so I think you know seeing a bit of his mother and his son I think is the thing that gets him to 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 do the right thing and and not necessarily follow through with his will but to let his son take the reins and and to you know to sacrifice on behalf of them so they can win the day. Yeah. Definitely. So just closing the Iron Man 3 loop was great and and I and and what I thought was really interesting with Trevor and I it just kind of occurred to me as we were talking is that's kind of the transition point for the Katie character too because when they go to Tao Lo, she goes from being the comic relief to kind of being someone who's finding her purpose now and Trevor becomes mm. the comic relief. 
you yes. know, like like all the jokes are around Trevor, you know, from from the time they they encounter him to the end of the movie. You know, th- there's a little bit of silliness with Katie in there. It's not like her character completely loses, you know, all, all of it. And and clearly, we we have the fantastic mid or final credit scene where she has Wong belting out Hotel California. But um, oh, that was so good. Gotta love it. Yeah. Um, oh, I love that. It is like or. <laughs> And then we get uh, like, oh yeah, that, songs that, with Wong. Yes, that was fantastic. Please. That was come fantastic. on Disney Plus, get on that. Uh huh. Sing along with Wong. Oh, um, that's even better. Dude. <laughs> oh. Come on, you heard it here that's, first. Free range idiocy. That's got it. And you know what? That doesn't even have to be Marvel themed. I just want to see Benedict Wong because because I mean it works either way. I know. You know, either Wong the character or just hey, it's just Benedict Wong, and I'm good either way. Absolutely. Or better uh, yet, you know what? I want I want a talk show with Cumberbatch and Wong, the two Benedicts. That's what I want. <laughs> your 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 morning Benedicts? Is that what you're and, <laughs> Well no, and I, I, what I want to happen is I want him to switch off. Like I want one to be the sidekick one week and one to be and and the other to be the host, and then I want him to switch each week. Like each day, each show would be a different a different uh you know alignment i think yeah. that'd be great yeah. that'd be great that would be somebody get feige on the phone i've got I, i've got ideas where's oh wait patrick is recovering never mind <laughs> i have to wait till morning yeah minor incident with patrick um <sighs> uh what else is it? yeah so so just that just that transition in the comic relief was great i mean th- th- i mean there's even a point in the final battle where that point where it kind of pans over the 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 field and then it kind of hones in on on trevor just laying there dead and yes. I'm sitting there like, wow, they're they're first a split second. I'm like, wow, they're going to kill him off. And like, wait a minute. No, it's going to be the actor doing his thing. Right. Yeah. And yeah. sure enough, Morris comes over. He's like, it's a bloody performance. You know? Yeah. You lay down too. And then Morris <laughs> legs up like a, like a that was, beetle. That was fantastic. <laughs> that was fantastic. Oh, yeah. And that's the thing though. I, I will say like, I felt like. The comedy relief was very different between uh, between Katie and Trevor, mm. um, and and with Katie, the comic relief was her being sarcastic, but also I felt like it was really building character yeah. and showing who yeah. she was, but also kind of giving you like some insight into culture as well, like into her, yes. in terms of like dynamics yes. within within her culture and and within her family and all that. So it kind of gave you a little, you you felt like you knew more about her as a as a whole character rather than just oh yeah, and she's just the friend right i felt like i actually like she was a better rounded character Mm -hmm. and with trevor i mean we'd already kind of gotten a little bit of him Mm -hmm. and so there was a little bit more room for him to look foolish because well i mean that's actually the character but then also they actually gave him a little bit of gravitas at moments too which was kind of surprising but it's also like it it fits in with his character where all of a sudden he would just snap into like his king lear right and that's what that's what saved his butt with (laughs) (laughs) when who's guys are like this dude's funny let's keep him around never mind let's not kill him that's what was great was yeah like like it's it's his acting and just like he, he's just a i mean he's literally like curly from the three stooges would say he's literally a victim of circumstance you know it's yes like, <laughs> yes oh my god in spite gosh. of himself he stays alive so yeah oh my goodness but yeah so all those were great now the one person i have to ask you about mm-hmm. razor fist uh are you talking about drago's son <laughs> Yes, because that's all I saw when I saw him. Like that's Drago's son. <laughs> that's Drago Junior. What happened to your hand? 
Oh man. Is that what's going to happen in Creed 3? Like does it get gnawed off? What 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 happened? <laughs> but Sounds no. Like so No, no, you got to do it now. No, no, you said Creed 3. Now you got to do the line. Go do it. <laughs> do the line. We haven't heard in a while. Adonis Creed versus Razor Fist sounds like a damn monster movie. There it is. There it is, ladies, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. It's been a number of episodes since we've heard that. There it is. Well, we broke out Mario Bane last week. I figured we might as well bring bring back Apollo for going a going back little... to the old favorites. Yeah, it's like our greatest hits, which means we're just about done. <laughs> All right, uh, but so I have to ask you this: one, is he somehow related to Taserface from uh, Guardians Two? Uh, he could be. And actually, which is the more ridiculous name, Taserface or Razor Fist? Uh, I think Taserface takes it. Uh, Razor yeah. Fist at least describes the utility of his arm, uh, which is, in fact, a razor of sorts. That is his fist. True. True. So Taserface would have benefited from having like a like a nose ring. Like, but not one of the ones that comes out all the way. I don't know why I'm, sh- I'm, I'm like gesturing with my fingers right now. Like you can see me. <laughs> Are you sure you're not just trying to flap air to cool yourself off or could be? I, oh my gosh, dude. What's I've, the temp in there right now? Are you about 120 or what? I don't know. I stopped, I stopped looking and I've <laughs> like, it's getting swampy, dude. It's getting real swampy in here. I don't even know if, I don't even know if a shower after this is going to work. I'm going to go outside and hose down. <laughs> it's going to soak. Just, just air dry out in the porch for a little while after this. Um, but anyway, so, uh, but like if, if Taserface had had like a nose ring, but mm. not one of the ones that's like a complete loop. Like I've seen some, I've seen some people with like the, the nose ring that comes out and there's like, it's like, it's like a horseshoe. Yeah. And so it's like yep. a ball on each end of the horseshoe and it comes out and it hangs and stuff like that. Like if that was his gimmick, like then he comes up to someone and he's like, and he, he like tases them with his face. Mm-hmm. It would have been like, okay, I get it now. But they yeah. never pay that off. It's just like, it's just two silly words that go together. At least Basically. here, Razor Fist kind of pays off. And of course, he also has it like scrawled on his car. Which, right. I mean, right. Because why not? If you, I mean, you might as well live the gimmick. That was funny when they stole the car. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That kind of gave me some like almost like a it wasn't X Men two uh-huh. where Logan steals Cyclops motorcycle or oh, something like that. Oh right, right, yes, yes, yes. That kind of I kind of got some vibes there, which again just brings us back to Feige, Wolverine the musical. We need it. That's right. With, Hugh would love it. Hugh with, would love uh, it. Hugh as Mephisto. As Mephisto as Logan. Yes, like mo- I, hey, actually, I, what, this here's what I want. If Sir Patrick Stewart can do a one man Christmas Carol, Hugh Jackman can man up and do a Logan Mephisto production. Well, exactly. I want I want a movie where it's essentially just Hugh Jackman playing all the characters. Like I, I let's just go absolutely nuts with this. Like it doesn't even have to be a full length movie. Just give me like twenty minutes. Mm-hmm. I'm fine with that. Mm-hmm. But give me give me like Hugh Jackman as Mephisto as Logan. Even like you can go back and like de-age him to make him look like the like OG Wolverine, and then you know, then like he could be Professor X too. Like I want the whole thing. Oh man, the like go. Now we're just getting Jackman. silly. Like we haven't been silly so far with Wolverine the musical. Yes, <laughs> yes. Or, that or was si- the sing along point. with Benedict Wong. <laughs> I'm telling you, sing along with Wong is going to do huge numbers. Oh, huge numbers. That's it's going to be it's going to be awesome. It's going to be glorious. Glorious. Yes. No, I won't give in. I won't give in till I'm victorious. And I will defend. I will defend. We are 
making Marvel so much money right here and they are not listening to us. I mean, I know that Feige is a subscriber. I know that. I mean, he's using an assumed name. It's like a, it's a total like it's burner probably one account. of the 52 that downloaded uh, the Kevin Costner episode. More than likely. Yeah, that's what he's interested in. He's like, I don't care what you say about my stuff. Can't quite hear you over my yacht, you know, but. Go ahead. Let's let's listen to the, to the idiots talk about Kevin Costner. Uh, but anyways, uh, so yeah, there, I mean, it's just uh, and of course we we haven't even talked about the fight at the Golden Daggers Club, which mm-hmm. of course features Benedict Wong fighting the Abomination. Yes, nice little deep cut there from mm-hmm. the Incredible Hulk. I mean, just did not see that coming. And but but actually, a more comics loyal version of the Abomination which was great. And then you find out that they were actually kind of like working together. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> which yeah was, it was basically like a pro wrestling, you know, contest that was going on there. Yeah. I was like, okay, now this is kind of cool. Although I got to love Wong's technique of opening up the two portals so that the fist goes flying through and punches himself. Yes. <laughs> I thought that was fantastic. That was really good. Yeah. <laughs> that was great. But oh, I mean, man. such a great setting too. like, it's just such a great, like, look for something where you're like wow this just legit looks cool mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. um i i love that very cool oh and and then i i know sorry we're going back to the final battle but i i real quick wanted to just call out i thought it was very visually stunning to kind of see the 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 protector the you know the dragon yes and how much it like like I remember like watching it and, and you know seeing how it was moving around. I'm like, were they trying to mimic the motions like based on you've probably seen on YouTube or elsewhere, you know, like parades for for Chinese New Year and that sort of thing, and and how the mm-hmm. dragons come out and how they move, you know, yeah, the, yeah. and and stuff like that. And it just kind of reminded me of that. And I'm I, and so it was just kind of a nice. I, I thought it was a nice nod to the culture to to kind of bring that out and have it kind of I, at least for me, it kind of reminded me of that. You know, ju- just just the way it moved and the way it flowed and that sort of thing. And so I, I don't know a lot about the, the, the lore and the culture and that sort of thing. And for, from that perspective, but I just thought it was, it was just kind of a nice nod to, to that and, and thought it was interesting as sometimes these movies can get a little over the top, you know, like when we talked like about DC and, and, you know, kind of the final fights there and stuff. And this one, I never felt it, it, it went too crazy. It was just, it, it kind of ratcheted things up at, at a reasonable pace and, and just provided a, you know, a really climactic showdown, good versus evil with, uh, with good winning the day. So, so I thought that was yeah. interesting. Yeah. And I felt like one of the things I think that for whatever reason, and I, I, I mean, this is just an overall kind of American movie sort of thing, but one of the things that can really be aggravating, and this was actually true uh, it happened for me in the Transformers movies where every fight scene gets so close up. So it's like, oh, no, we got to see the detail. It's like, mm-hmm. no, I actually kind of want to be able to figure out what in the crap is happening. Yeah. Like I need a, a wide enough shot so that I get the geography of what's actually happening and what's happening around this. And I felt like that fight scene, the the last battle, did a pretty dang good job of giving you enough close-ups that you could actually see detail, but also giving you some nice wide cinematic shots and never letting you get lost. Like, I never questioned exactly where things were happening. I, I got a good lay of the land, a good geography of where things were happening and how it was working and and what they were trying to kind of accomplish. Yeah. And that's not that's not a given. There was actually I'll see if I can find it. I watched it a few years ago, but it was all talking about how Jackie Chan would choreograph uh, a fight scene and how they would shoot it and also just how they would uh, like actually 
the filmography of it where you don't cut in on everything close. You, you kind of stay in a lot of mid shots so that you can see the action play out in frame so yeah. that you get like it's actually happening. It's not like, oh, we're just trying to make people look like they can fight right. who really can't. And we're covering it with like a jump cut every one second so that you don't see how how mangled it is and that it's from a hundred different takes. Yeah. But also for that idea of like you get an idea of where this is happening like the space that the fight is happening in and you can actually foreshadow like they showed one where there's a circular stairway in one corner of the shot and they don't cut away from it and so you cu- you kind of feel like something's going to happen there you know <laughs> and it kind of foreshadows them fighting I, th- I think he falls down or something right. the stairway and they jump down but it allows them to foreshadow what's going to happen but all you don't lose track of what's happening yeah yeah and that happens so often and it, I mean it happens in Marvel movies too they they're they're guilty of it from time to time but I felt like in this this movie, it was really well done in terms of uh, of not suffering from that. Everything has to be so tight mm-hmm. because, oh, we, we want to see like, you know, the, the follicles on the dude's arm or something like, no, just I want to be able to see the fight for what the fight is. And I thought that was I thought that was particularly well done in this movie. Yeah, no, 100 percent agree. So what what's your overall grade on this one, sir? I mean, I, I think a simple buy sell is is uh, is not uh, adequate for this because, of course, it sounds like we are both buying this wholeheartedly. So uh, what, if you had to rate this one, I don't know if you had to give it a letter grade, sir. What would you what would you give this one? I I would have it as as an A. I I really liked it. I I really thought it was you know the characters had depth to them. There wasn't really a a hint of stereotyping going on. I I felt like all the characters had these really relatable struggles and, and dimensions to them. You know, the, you know, when we, as the father, what Shang-Chi was going through, what Katie's going through. I mean, you know, his, his sister, Zha Ling, I mean, I think just the way they kind of wove all of their individual stories together and, you know, kind of the common thread with them all was just that struggle of, of who are they, you know, like, mm-hmm. like what is their identity? Mm-hmm. And, you know, and it's a struggle I think a lot of us go through. And so I, I really liked it. And, and I thought it was just, a you know, again, another creative kind of origin story with the hero rather than, like I said, rather than constructing himself into being a hero to solve or, you know, something or for some reason, he's a guy who's just he's trying to avoid you know, his his family because of of the history there and stuff. And and I just felt it was a a really, you know, different and 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 fresh take on on a hero kind of realizing his role and what he what he needs to be doing. And and so I, I really liked it. So I I would go an A on this one. Um this this was as good of an origin story as as we're as we're going to see unique origin story. And, and and I say that because uh you know in a lot of ways I felt like Doctor Strange, for example, was was very reminiscent of Iron Man minus all the tech geeky stuff. You know, I mean, it's it's a yeah. rich guy falling on hard times, building himself up in some way, accepting the mantle of hero and becoming that hero, you know, and 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 this was just very different and done in a very artistic and and I felt a very creative and, and unique way. So I am going with an Asa. I'm tempted. Okay, here's my here's my reasoning. I'm going to give it an A minus with an asterisk. Because I really, what do you well, call that? An well, A no, minus it, asterisk? Is that like an A minor seven? Well, no, it, maybe I don't know. I, I play bass, dude. I don't worry about what the rest of the chord is. Just I don't give me deal a root with note. sevens and minors. I just play the root and the fifth. It is it is great, like playing bass in those moments when when people are complaining about chords, like ah, oh, what is this? I'm like, ah, oh, dude, I'm just playing the F sharp. Well, yeah, you're only playing the root note. Well, yep, that's all. That's all I need. That's what I get paid for. <laughs> <laughs> 
you know? Uh, but so it, the reason I pu- I'm putting an asterisk uh, after it is because I've only seen the movie once. And I really feel like, I, I, don't, I don't know. I, see, the thing is, I don't want to put it too high. Because I feel like when we when I really started trying to put Marvel movies into context and we did our our top you know picks for for Marvel movies and all that, I'd seen all the movies several times by that point. Yeah. You know, I mean, I just rewatched it with my daughter, like the entire MCU up until that point with my daughter. So I'd seen it. It was all very fresh. I've only seen this movie once mm-hmm. and I really feel like this movie bears a couple of viewings. I I don't want to I don't want to overgrade it. I want to leave it a little room to to age like a fine wine, if you if you will. Uh, oh, fine wine! Come on now, you want this in a in a cask? Yes, seventeen That's- year <laughs> aged <laughs> Scottish uh, whiskey. <laughs> Uh, perhaps, uh, but I, I, I've, I'm, I have a feeling this is definitely going to get up to an A. Mm. The thing is, like, I've, I've actually the reason I'm putting it in A minus and saying I need to see it again is because part of me wants to give this an A plus, but yes. I don't quite feel comfortable saying that after one viewing. Yes. I don't. I, I, I have a feeling it's going to end up there, and that's fair. I really I mean, do. That's why I gave it an A. I was thinking A plus. Because like like we talked about, it's it's just it, it hits all the right notes in all the right places. But I'm sorry, you're 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 talking. I I agree with you. I did not go A plus for similar reasons. Yeah, and that's and that's the only reason I put the asterisk. It's not because I'm like, oh well, it might it might really suck the second time through. I don't I don't think that's going to be the case at all. I didn't get any kind of any kind of warning flags that uh, this might not hold up on another viewing. I just don't want to go over the top after only seeing it once. Mm-hmm. I, I, I want to be a, I want to just be a little bit cautious, but I, I have a feeling that it's, it's definitely going to improve to at least a solid a, uh, on second and, and third viewing. Uh, the other thing I wanted to point out though, before we, we, uh, we kind of sew this up is of course, the fact is that, uh, because there is an actual date involved in Shang-Chi Ah, the holiday yes. on which this maze opens and they can get the Talo and all that. There's an actual date involved. So now we can start kind of figuring out where stuff rotates around this. So the idea is that after the events of Endgame, the order kind of looks like this. Loki happens immediately post Endgame. Marvel's What If kind of takes place in that range as well. Mm-hmm. Then WandaVision so Loki actually predates WandaVision, which makes for some interesting thoughts there. Mm-hmm. I mean, of course, parts of WandaVision are ta- I, I think if, if nothing else, like these three are taking place in a very compact timeline. Yeah. Because, yep. you know, it, part of WandaVision is taking, you know, we see the, the blip and I don't think it's all that long after. Oh, my gosh. Uh, Rambo. Oh, Monica Rambo. Monica. Thank you. Monica, I'll uh, Rochambeau you for it. Yes. Uh, Of course, we see her coming back from the blip and all that. So, I mean, kind of a compacted timeline there. So Loki, Marvel's What If, WandaVision, then Shang-Chi, then Falcon and Winter Soldier, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. then Spider-Man Far From Home. So kind of interesting there because I, I, you know, just because of the way the things have been released, it's not necessarily how that's aren't being released in the order that they happen in chronologically. So mm-hmm. a little something for, for us to kind of ponder now that we can kind of place this within some context. So interesting stuff. Do you know what the, the date is? 
it is because um, I was reading it as well, but I'm forgetting. I thought it was like April something of 2024 or something like that. I yeah, it so it's 2024. Uh, yeah. This fe- the festival day will happen on April 4 that year. Ah, uh, gotcha. so the yeah. events uh, probably take place from approximately March 29th through to April 5th. And the funny part is, 2024 is the year of the dragon. Aha! In the Chinese calendar. So, there you go. And not only do you have dragons in this movie, but Aquafina, of course, was also the voice of the dragon in Raya and the Last Dragon. Mm-hmm. It's all coming together all on the blues. All coming together. And then we get songs with Wong or sing along with Wong. Thank you. It's all going to happen. I'm, right. You know what? I'm calling it, into, I'm, I'm calling it out right now. I am manifesting that into the ether, which is about the same as when I try and manifest myself a grilled cheese sandwich at 1.30 a.m. It ain't happening because I ain't got no bread. <laughs> so, sir, what do you got for the Week in Geek this week? Oh. I'm Week in Geek. Oh, my God. Let me try that again. <laughs> you you want to go another 30? <laughs> I'm telling you, dude, it's like 115 degrees in here right now. <laughs> Uncle Todd seeing the pink elephant jumping around the room. <laughs> my brain is parboiled right now. It's cooking inside of my head. Oh, my gosh. Oh. Yeah, so this is what Patrick feels like on a daily basis. All right. What do you have for and another thing this week, sir? And another thing. Well, I I again wrote down Tombstone because I, I didn't think I had anything. But then as we were talking, I think I'm going to go with AEW, uh, Dynamite and Rampage. Dynamite's on Wednesday night, Rampage on Friday. If you are a fan of professional wrestling, I would check those shows out because if you couldn't tell in the Week in Geek, I'm a little, you know, just a little uh, into it, a little excited about it. Uh, just a bit. It's it's exciting and fun as as a fan of wrestling to kind of see uh, a promotion putting on like I said great stories you know not just putting over the same characters every week but you know very actively and organically trying to build talent and and trying to you know build their star not in a day but across you know months and and really have it you know have things mean something as opposed to just kind of doing these one shot triple threat championship matches on raw Um, But anyways, well, I mean, hey, you know what? uh, From all reports, it was a pretty good match. Quality, I'm sure was great, but it's very interesting to see that WWE seems to be reacting to things now that AEW is doing rather than just setting their own pace. So, yes, that is the interesting part. You're you're right there. That is interesting. So, yeah, AEW Dynamite Wednesday on TNT, AEW Rampage Friday on TNT. And this week, uh, both are two hour shows as they are essentially putting on a pay-per-view level kind of card for the fans. Do check it out. And, uh, you know, I, I think you will not be disappointed especially uh, as if you are a fan of a professional wrestling. As that opposed to sports entertainment. Indeed. Indeed. As, uh, as, as Uncle Corny would surely, somewhere as he heard the word sports entertainment, he spit on the ground wherever he is at. As Brooks Filson, I mean CM Punk would say. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and, and actually that killer promo by Paul Heyman on, on Vince, where oh, he yeah. said nothing. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Which actually is where the draw me money comes from. Draw me money. Yep. That's all Vinny wants. Your daisy if you do. Mm-hmm. 
Well, as for me, uh, I, I, I figured I would share something that uh, this might have a familiar name associated with this. Uh, a good friend of the show, our close personal friend, uh, Ronald Moore. Mm. Uh, who am I kidding? Ron, Ron doesn't know who the heck we are. <laughs> but uh, And he doesn't care. He's just concentrating on what scotch he's drinking this week. Anyways, if in case you weren't aware of this, and I, I, was, I knew about this show. But I did not have the proper way to watch it. And then I've just kind of not gotten into it. And I finally got into it over the last like week and a half. And this is why I don't necessarily get into shows that have a lot of back episodes because I just go nuts. So what, what I'm speaking of uh, this week is For All Mankind, which is a, a show that is available on Apple TV or Apple TV Plus or whatever, whatever the streaming services that Apple does. And uh, it is uh, created and executive produced by Ron Moore, of course, of Battlestar Galactica fame. Mm-hmm. And so say we is, all. Yes, yes, we do. So say we all. And it is a show that is has a very interesting premise because it is a is an alternate history show, and it's kind of big. What if that ch- uh, changes that deviates from our history is what if. The Russians beat America to the moon. Ah. And it is really interesting just to kind of go down the path of what would happen because up until we landed on the moon, Russia had been, Soviet Union had been ahead in a, in a lot of respects throughout the space program. Uh, first living creature in orbit, they got a dog into orbit, first person in orbit, all of those things had, had happened. And the United States winning the race to the moon was kind of the thing that kind of resulted in a, in a different take on the space race after that. Mm-hmm. This idea of what happens if the Soviet Union landed on the moon first is very interesting because it turns NASA from this reactionary force that it had been at some points in the, in the, you know, the kind of early astronaut days through the beginning of the Apollo program, all these things, the, the kind of push towards the moon, it continues that path. So NASA is very reactionary and very risk-taking. And, and, and it's, it's interesting to see how that all plays out in this alternate history and then how it incorporates some things and how it even changes, you know, like which presidents take office, you know, and, and things like that and, and how all this goes. And it's, it's, it's fantastic because, as with Battlestar Galactica, mm. Ron Moore isn't using sci-fi just for the sake of sci-fi. He is actually, it's about the characters. It's just set in this kind of, not necessarily sci-fi, but in this in this historical context. But it's about the characters. Right. And right. it centers on on these people and the and who they are. And, and what they want and how they react and, and interact with the people around them. And it's, it's really well written, really well directed. Like I've watched the first episode and I'm like, oh, that's pretty good. And then I started watching a couple more. I'm like, oh boy, yeah, this is really good. And then I've, I've gotten into that mode a couple of nights where like two, three episodes and I would get up to go get a, you know, go, go get a drink of water. And I'm like, yeah, oh man, it's gotta be getting close to like 1130 go out in the in the kitchen and look at the the clock on the oven i'm like holy crap it's 1 30 <laughs> oh Yo. man tomorrow is gonna suck uh-huh. so that's so, a sobering uh, thought isn't it when you when you realize oh. that you're like oh sweet moses i am oh, in yeah. such i am in so for a world of hurt tomorrow morning <laughs> oh yeah i just I, I better i just better start making the coffee now yeah maybe maybe i just go to work now and maybe then I just shouldn't then come home and sleep. take a nap <laughs> 
<laughs> but uh, but it's it's really well done and it is really compelling television. So it, and I apparently they've it is two seasons on Apple TV right now, and I'm I believe I'm two maybe three episodes away from finishing that up. Uh, I believe earlier this year they wrapped shooting on season three, so maybe season three is going to be coming up here sometime soon. But I will be looking forward to it because it has been it has been really great. A lot of good acting, a lot of great writing. Uh, and it's it's just a really well done television so, show. So I would highly recommend for all mankind. Very nice. Uh, sounds very interesting. I think I might venture out and see that as well. Ah, yes. Get me some Apple TV. Ah, uh, well, yeah. It's it is where all the cool kids. I don't even know. We got we got like a year of it free when we signed up for something, and I I put off. It, I, I was getting like the emails like you only have a couple more days. I'm like crap. I better do this. <laughs> I don't want to lose the year of whatever. Nope. Nope. But anyway, thank you all for tuning in. We do appreciate all the members of the Free Range EDC congregation gathering together on the interwebs and, uh, of course, bearing with us through the interminably long Weekend Geek. I, I apologize. Actually, no, that's probably the more interesting part of the show than anything that I do. So thank you to Tim for putting that together. Uh, but thank you all for tuning in and for listening. We do certainly appreciate it. Uh, you can, of course, subscribe to our podcast on, uh, let me see, where are we? We're pretty much everywhere. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio. Uh, if, if, if you search for us on the interwebs, you will find us. Uh, we are the only people who are willing to bill ourselves as blatant idiots. Indeed. Uh, it's, it's right there in the name. So uh, be sure to subscribe if you haven't already. And, and you know what? For a few extra fake internet points, be sure to tell a friend. Share it on social medias. We love the social medias, by the way. You can actually mm-hmm. follow us on social medias. Uh, we're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram, at Free Range EDC. But you know what? Share all that with all – bombard your – you know what? Act like it's Cutco and you're just trying to like completely just wring all of the money out of your friends and family just to try and sell them some knives. Just <laughs> just plaster your social media with Free Range EDC. And you know what? They'll hate you for it, but we'll love you. And isn't that what really counts? Mm. If you have any questions, you have any thoughts, concerns, any ideas for shows, any, anything you'd like us to talk about, be sure to send all those to Tim at FreeRangeEDC.com because Tim cares and I don't. We, I'd have you send them to Patrick, but Patrick doesn't even know how to get email. That's Well, actually, you know, he does know how to get email, but I'm kind of scared of having him respond to emails. He knows how to get a bow tie caught in a paper shredder. The fact that you can tie a bow tie was remarkable to me. I I don't know how to do that. Anyways, so now we've come to the portion of the show where I finally, finally close my pie hole and let the man they call Tim take us home on the anchor leg. But before we do that, once again, let's all just take a deep cleansing breath. Oh, it was a little too deep. It's like Goldust style. I know. I, I think I sucked a sinus back into my frontal lobe. I want you all to align your chakras, if that's such a thing as possible, if not illegal in your area. And uh, what I want to do is just kind of go back over the entirety of the show. Let it, just picture it in your mind. And then I'll turn to the man who I've turned to for most of my life decisions, which is why I'm going nowhere and nowhere quick, and ask... What the hell did we learn this this show? We have learned the following, my friend. 
Ah, good. We have learned that the man they call Tim and Uncle Todd, undefeated in 2021 fantasy football action, ladies and gentlemen. Mm-hmm. Only undefeated. two weeks in. We've, we've both faced like one real opponent and the fake team. And we're, That's right. we're, taking, we're taking that as total credit for it. That's we're great. We're building a franchise win by win. Do your job, oh, as the Belichick would say. So sad that we're taking this stuff seriously. Oh, my gosh. Uh, We have learned that there is money on the table, ladies and gentlemen. Hugh Jackman, Logan, Mephisto, musical. Make it happen, Feige. Come on, Feige. Make it happen. Cuts Like a Knife would be a great subtitle. Brian Adams could use the cash. I mean, it's a win-win. Disney Plus. Sing along with Benedict Wong is going to make you money. <laughs> oh, I want that show so bad. I didn't know I wanted it so badly. I want that show now. Just please give Free Range to see just, just a little credit at the end there. Yeah, even his small print. Like, I don't care. <laughs> just so I can pause it and go, and my, my fan will be like, oh, okay, he's finally snapped. Medicate him. That's it. <laughs> Pull the plug! He's not hooked up to anything. I don't care! Just get rid of it. No, kidding. We have learned uh, the man they call Tim. High marks for AEW uh, all around. So do check it out if, if you have a few minutes and are into that sort of thing. And finally, the last thing we have learned is that Shang-Chi was a damn fine movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, Definitely recommended by Uncle Todd and the man they call Tim. Just another strong outing from Marvel. And and do, do check it out if you have not yet seen it. It is well worth the money, well worth the time. And uh, we we very much enjoyed it, if you couldn't tell from the last 45 to 50 minutes of rambling that have taken place here. Just shameless slobbering all over Ah. this movie. With that all being said, Mm -hmm. we thank you for the downloads this past week. Mm-hmm. We, we thank you for the support. Uh, mm-hmm. And as we always like to close, mm-hmm. be safe, mm-hmm. be healthy, be mm-hmm. kind, mm-hmm. be good to one another. Wait, wait, I didn't finish that one. Oh. Mm-hmm. Okay. And as always, and especially because Uncle Todd, he needs an AC unit in that room. Oh, sweet God. Yes, Got to save do. the pennies for that. So please, would you remember to hit the lights on the way out? Like I took the wrong week to quit drinking. I beg your pardon, what did you say? Damn! <laughs> you are such a disappointing pair. Correct the mundo! I prayed so hard for you. <laughs> Get out! And don't come back until you've redeemed yourselves. You give me my cheese wheels, boy? So say we all. Want to hand me the mic? Thanks a lot. Hi, this is car, um, what number are we? Five, five. Car 55. Um, we're in a truck. <laughs> oh, I got some crotch pot cooking going on right now. <laughs> Good God. It's getting, getting funkier than an all night James Brown show in here. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that's hysterical. (laughs) I don't know if I'm going to be able to stand up from this chair. I'm just like so, I'm sticking, I'm going to stick to it. It's 
kind of like it's just like vacuum sucked itself to my buttocks. <laughs> it's gonna <laughs> you're gonna stand up. There's gonna be this loud peeling sound. As you go. <laughs> 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 I'm gonna, gonna have to gonna have to ask my wife. Can you come in here and bring a spatula? <laughs> Like the big pancake one, the pancake one. <laughs> just just oh go around the gosh. edges gently, gently. <laughs> just let me get the edge up. Wow, oh. too far. <laughs> Good lord. Now get the hell out of here.